are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here. With you again on this Friday afternoon edition, we've got the final injury report just released. So we'll get into that. Uh, Some bad news for a couple of young players that will not be suiting up. Sunday, we've got the best sound of the week. We'll hear from Kyle Shanahan. We'll hear from Richard Sherman. Maybe a little bit from Robert Sala, who's having a a big week with the sound and with the video. And uh, a lot more people know who Robert Sala is right now than they did a couple of weeks ago at this time. And as we do on Fridays, the five keys to victory versus the Washington Redskins in week seven. If you're tuning into this podcast, you probably know where to find me and welcome, whether you're driving home Friday afternoon or a Saturday road trip or Sunday morning pregame prep. Thanks for joining me here. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. Let's get to my favorite sound of the week and a little bit of a revenge game The coach made a few ways with these comments during the week, and I love what Kyle Shanahan had to say. He didn't say a lot, but he said so much with very few words here about what he enjoyed about his time in Washington. Um, Being able to work with my dad and be around some other good coaches. What was the worst part? Everything else. (laughs) (laughs) I, I liked a lot of the players, some good people. I mean, that was a while ago. I've been in three different buildings since. Um, you know, my dad's retired. He's good, and we've, we've accepted what we had to deal with there, and we moved on. We'll watch other people deal with it. You thought he was done just the one dig, but he kind of doubled down there, said watching other people deal with it, and it's pretty clear he's talking about the front office and the ownership there, Dan Snyder in Washington. Sounds like a nightmare place to coach, and maybe if that's the only job you get offered, you take it, but I got to believe if you are a top head coach candidate, it's probably not... Uh, the place that's number one on your list. And he said he's over it, but a little salt there, a little saltiness from Kyle Shanahan, maybe a little extra chip on his shoulder this weekend. Shanahan talked about his growth as a head coach and what it's like being the head play caller, offensive coordinator, and head coach, and how he's gotten better at that over the past three years, which I think is a pretty big thing. I mean, remember, this is first-time GM, first-time head coach, first-time defensive coordinator, now had a chance over the last three years not only to accumulate talent, but get their schemes together and have a group of players that know the scheme and have been in the system for a while and get better at their own jobs and managing their own time. I think everyone grows and evolves the more they do stuff. And um, going into the third year, I got more reps of it. Um, you know, it was nice being able to call plays for a while before becoming a head coach. So I've, I've been used to that, but learn how to balance it out your week differently. Um, stuff you do during the game, you can't just sit there every time between series and 100% focus on offense. Um, so just being able to balance all that more, um, trying to see sometimes, I think I, it's it's gotten easier for me over three years to see when it's more important to go focus on fixing X's and O's and when to kind of more focus on talking to people and making people all right. And I think that's something um, I've gotten better at balancing out just with um, going through it more. On the subject of sudden superstar Robert Sala after the defense's breakout, especially over the last Two weeks and him getting a ton of face time, fist pumping and being just completely amped up on the sideline. Uh, Some interesting ways that Kyle Shanahan described 
his defensive coordinator. Yes, I've been sent all the memes and everything. That's uh, it's what I expect. I mess with him all the time. I mean, it's, that's his style. He's cleanly shaven head every single day. He talks to you guys and um, very tan and lifts a lot and knows what he's doing. And um, he, he enjoys the game day too. So we always mess with him over it, but that's Sala. Moments like that? Do you ever have moments like that where you just completely blacked out? Yes. Yeah, I, you might, I'm not running around as much, but it's, um, it's pretty, you probably can tell on my face when I do it, and sometimes I get fined for it and things like that. So you try not to black out as a coach. Players do it too. I would mess with Sherm. I think he's done it at the coin toss the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> but but, but it, happens, it happens to all of us. I, I remember this with him calling Gandhi. I mean, Saul is a peaceful giant. Like, Saul is very relaxed and peaceful, and um, he's not like that very much. That, that, that's rare. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to um, MF anyone. He's a very good teacher. Um, he speaks to everyone with a lot of regard, a lot of respect. Um, but it's cool to see him like that because he's, he's not always like that. And uh, he probably did black out and couldn't control it. And um, when you do that, it's very natural because um, it's not something he's not putting on a show by any means because that's not really how he is. He's very relaxed. But um, there's more anger and energy in there, and it proves it there. It comes out in the heat of battle. So uh, I think the players like to watch it because um, I think we all know Salah um, as a person. And um, when he's like that, you can tell how much fun he's having, and uh, he deserves to have fun. Gandhi, he also talks about extreme violence. He's also a yeah. guy. He looks like a tough guy. I mean, is there, a, is, is there an alter ego there? Is there a second side of Robert Sala? I think he knows how to coach defense. I mean, if you don't stress extreme violence, I mean, it's, it's tough to play football. Um, so, I mean, he, he knows what it takes, but, I mean, just wears a bracelet on it. It's not like it's tatted on his face or anything. So, it's, I mean, he's, he, he's, he's a nice guy, but, um, no, he's a very good coach. He knows how to get the most out of his players. Multiple things there, praising his coach, a gentle Gandhi-like giant. On game day, a lot of ferocity, but it sounds like during the week, a more cerebral approach by Robert Sala there. But I really love the the quick little dig at, at Richard Sherman, too. And that's one of the reasons I think this locker room, you can tell, is a really good group of guys. And they're really there's a togetherness, it's, it feels like, about this team right now. And they're all working really well together. More on that. When we hear from Sherman in a second, but then the dig about him blacking out during the coin toss, love that. I love that they have the relationship there, and I'm sure Sherman would laugh about it. And the way Sherman can amp himself up and have a a chip on his shoulder about something that doesn't even exist is kind of amazing, too. And I wonder if it's just Sherman being so smart. And I talked about this with a buddy uh, earlier this week, Richard Sherman. You know, he's a smart guy. He's a cerebral player. He... Uh, is one of the smartest corners in the league, makes up for his lack of top-end speed playing corner in the NFL, which can't be easy. But he also is probably so smart that he knows what he's doing to his body, and he knows that this is a gladiator's mentality sport. And how does a smart guy you know, get in that mindset? It just makes himself mad, maybe. just psychs himself out and gives himself extra incentive and something to play for. And, and Sherman is a master of that. But I love that. Quick little, just a little shot from Shanahan at Sherman. Game plan wise, and Washington might be one of the worst teams in the league, but they're not so bad that they can't beat you and you can't lose to any team, especially when you're traveling across the country in this league. And there might be some things the 49ers put on tape that as the season goes along, opponents will try to use against them. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they ran it right at us down that first drive, and you know that's what they're watching, and you know what's, that's what they're going to try to do to us. Um, it's going to be a very hard-fought game, very physical, um, just like last week was. And, um, you know, it's, you know, the run game, it, it, you got to stop the run, um, which we didn't do a great job of early. Um, but, you know, we stopped them on third down, which wouldn't allow them to stick with the run. Um, so there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, we'll see how it goes this week and how they play us, how we play, but uh, it's probably going to start with the run game. And I do have a couple of notes that will come up in the keys to the game here about how the 49ers looked differently against the run in all the other drives aside from the first drive against the Rams. And, and we saw the Bucks have some success against the 49ers with the run game in the second half of the week one contest. So the, those are some ways the teams could attack the 49ers, what the 49ers can do against that coming up. And one more quote from Shanahan about the trade market. This podcast is brought to you in part by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to lasting longer in the bedroom. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Are you losing sleep at night over your unfiled tax returns or the large amount you owe the IRS or any other state tax agency? Does it feel like you're trapped and that these tax problems will never go away? Are you worried the IRS will garnish your bank account or your wages? Do you want to be free and put these tax problems behind you? Greg's Tax Service is your local tax resolution specialist. Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for over 25 years and is passionate about helping their clients resolve their tax issues and to get them all the deductions and credits they're entitled to when preparing their tax returns. Call or text Greg's Tax Service at 925-778-4871 to set up an appointment to find out the best options available to free you from your tax problems. Again, that's 925-778-4871. Call or text to set up an appointment, and if you qualify, they can help you settle with the IRS for less than the full amount you owe. Remember, Greg's Tax Service for all your tax needs. Greg's Tax Service is your local tax advocate standing up and defending the rights of taxpayers. Find them online at gregstaxservice.com. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Put that knowledge to use. If you're listening to this show, you're obviously a well-informed football fan. Make yourself a little cash with MyBookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with MyBookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.com. A-G. Today, you play, you win, you get paid. On the podium Friday, Shanahan was asked uh, two different questions specifically about potentially trading away one of the 49ers' three quarterbacks and possibly bringing in a wide receiver. Here are his two responses there. You wait till someone pulls the trigger, and if they do, and we thought it would improve our team, there's no doubt we wouldn't hesitate. Um, but we also know how good all three of our guys are, so it's got to be something that we think will help us. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone in the league goes through injuries. Um, 
you know, not all of our guys are for sure out for the year, so we plan on getting some guys back. Um, but you, you look through everything to try to upgrade, um, upgrade your team, and it's very similar to the question I just answered. I mean, that's stuff that there's dialogue that goes on every day, um, not always with me, but very rarely with me. But with John and his whole group upstairs, um, they look into all that stuff. Um, there's lots of talk, and if we ever feel that there's something that will help us um, and not take away from us, then that's something we would never hesitate to do. Sort of a coach speak answer. If it helps them, they'll do it. If it doesn't help them, they won't do it. What does that mean exactly? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe has the price come down for a team that might be looking to add a quarterback? Kyle Shanahan said he might actually have all three quarterbacks active this week just because there's no other guys that the 49ers would suit up because everyone could be out depending on where most dirty is. And we'll get into that uh, injury report in just a second. It's all about the asking price from teams and our guys even available. And we're still hearing reports that I think the report today was that Vic Fangio said to reporters that they haven't even had discussions about potentially making any of the Denver Broncos players available. A team sitting at two and five. It's like, dude, it is mid-October. We are a week and a half away from the trade deadline. The trade deadline is the Tuesday after week eight. So one more game, then it's the trade deadline the following Tuesday. And you haven't had a discussion about whether you might trade a player. So I don't know. I, I'm not buying any of this stuff really from, from a lot of these coaches because it doesn't make a lot of sense. But we'll see. And I think we're in an era now where there's more movement. I think more younger GMs, you know, texting each other and more opportunity for teams to make some moves than there used to be possibly. So we'll see if this deadline's a little bit more fun than things have been in the past. And I think there is some opportunity for the 49ers to make some moves. It seems like quarterbacks around the league are dropping like flies. I don't think teams envision C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins as, as bona fide flat-out starters that they would bring in, even though the 49ers continue to say they think they have three starters. And then with wide receiver, I think that would be the position to add if someone like A.J. Green, maybe Emmanuel Sanders, someone like that, becomes available at a price that makes sense. And when it comes to one of the arguments against, say, bringing in A.J. Green, for example, and I think he's the first person I would call about just because of how good of a player he could be. And, you know, even though he might be a rental player, I think you wouldn't really be stunting the growth of your young receivers because maybe they could also be learning something from a guy like A.J. Green. And even if he walks and the 49ers don't re-sign him, maybe that makes the guys better and raises the ceiling of Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis, who are already in-house, that you're hoping become that guy, even if they haven't really shown that they're ready to take on that role yet. Let's move on to Richard Sherman. And the theme of his conversation with reporters was unselfishness and the players and coaching staff working together and how it takes all 11 to have a great defense. That's what you, what you appreciate about good teams is that everybody is working together and everybody has a role. And once everybody is appreciative of their role and unselfish, you get great product. You get great product. The moment people start start being me guys and saying, "Oh, me, I got to get mine. I got to get my stats." Like, why am I? Like, it does. It falls apart because you'll you'll make a selfish play in the game, and then he'll fall out of the gap. Then the whole thing falls apart. You know, and in a defense like this, it's about being gap sound. It's about being accountable to your guys, and it's a very unselfish defense. You can't be selfish. Now your stats will come. You know, if you're just in the right place at the right time doing your job, but you can't hunt them. You can't hunt for them. You know, you can't can't go out there and like, man, I got to have four sacks this game. You got to get them within the scheme because if you if you do that, you're going to let 10 other guys down. If you if you go out there and you're selfish, you're going to let 10 other guys down. And in tune, you're going to let 52 other guys down. Um, and so I think that's a great testament to our to our coaching staff and our players is that they're playing very unselfishly. Um, and that's why this success is coming. 
It's essential. It's an essential part of this defense. It's an essential part of great defense is being unselfish because selfish people can't play great defense because you're worried about self. You know what I mean? And, and great defense is, is worried about the whole. You know, one person does not make a great defense in this league. It takes 11. And so you, it, takes, it takes DNs knowing that at times you're going to have to drop into coverage. At times you're going to have to just take on double teams all day and night. It's going to take corners to know, hey, sometimes you're going to come up and you're going to have to stop the run. And you're not going to, you can't stop it at nine yards, at eight yards. You're going to have to make a decision and stop it at two and get him down. You know, you're going to have to put your big boy pads on and make those kind of plays. It takes linebackers being able to cover. Um, and, and it just takes so many people stepping out of their comfort zones and out of their elements and sacrificing for others. You know, at times there's corners taking on 300-pound linemen and turning the ball back so that a linebacker can make a tackle. But that's how, those are the decisions you have to make when you care about the person next to you and you really want to play great defense. So great answer from Sherman and a little insight. And it's very... Belichickian, do your job, right? Everybody working together, and it's such a symbiotic relationship with the front seven and the back end of a defense, everybody trusting each other, everyone doing what they need to do and not playing hero ball, coming together, and right now we're seeing that. Everyone knows what to do with this scheme. They're being well-coached, and it's all showing right now on the field for the 49ers. And on that same token, Robert Sala talking about that relationship with the pass rush and coverage. It, it goes, uh, it's very hard to separate the two. It, it goes hand in hand when you've got Russian coverage. Um, there's times where the coverage has saved the rush, and then there's times where the uh, rush has saved the coverage. I've, I've brought up the points where the, where the uh, rush has saved it. But um, those guys, when they execute, and, and the, the best part about the whole thing really is that we're not chasing uh, the routes that we had to defend a year ago. Like I told you, that teams will know our pass rush is affecting teams when they change the way they call football games. And by us not having to chase some of the most exotic concepts that you can possibly see to defeat zone coverage, we can play uh, more deliberate, more on our rules, more with the vision on the quarterback, knowing that the rush will tie to the coverage and we can all be the same. Now, obviously, they're not going to win 100% of the time, but uh, that's where... The guys who are playing have tied in the, have tied themselves so much to what we're asking of them in coverage that they are able to defend all those exotics because they know that they can just see it coming now. Uh, they can tell when teams are really trying to take a shot. I know the Rams towards the end of the game tried to take a shot on us. Uh, um, I think it was somewhere in the fourth quarter. Um, ended up throwing a check down. But the, the overall... Russian coverage is so hand-in-hand to say one is better than the other or one is operating. They are operating cleanly, but that's because the rush is operating the way it is and vice versa. Oh, and one more clip here I have of Sherman. He broke down his impression of the Rams trading for Jalen Ramsey, what they gave up for him and what they will have to give up for him monetarily at some point in the near future. Um, it, it seems like they gave up a lot um, for him, and, and it's going to be great for him because he has a lot of leverage, and I wish they would try to not pay him at this point. <laughs> give, give up two first-rounders and like, oh, and we're going to play hardball in these negotiations. Like, yeah, bring, back up the Brinks truck to his house and then call them when you're done. Certainly a gamble for Los Angeles. We'll see if it pays off, and talent-wise, there's no question about Jalen Ramsey. Roster-building-wise, how he fits in, salary structures, the loss of draft picks to fill in those holes behind high-priced talent with cheap players that are good players. Very interesting, and to be honest, cornerback has not been the problem for L.A. this season. Okay, injury report. The final report has been dropped Friday. 
We will hit that and the five keys to victory for the 49ers Sunday. This episode is brought to you in part by Greg's Tax Service. Honest and straightforward, Greg's Tax Service has been in the business for 25 years. They can help with any number of tax problems, including unfiled returns, back taxes, IRS collection, and audit representation. Find out more at gregstaxservice.com. Two new names added to the list of players who are out week seven against Washington. Defensive tackle DJ Jones dealing with the hamstring hasn't been at practice. He won't play Sunday. And rookie wide receiver Debo Samuel has a groin issue that bothered him all week, did not participate in practice, and will be out Sunday. That goes along with the guys who have already been out for the 49ers and will continue to be in fullback Kyle Juszczyk. Right tackle Mike McGlinchey, left tackle Joe Staley, and Akella Witherspoon. Limited at practice Friday, and probably the one player who is most questionable for the game Sunday is running back Raheem Mostert. He's dealing with a knee issue. D. Ford, as usual, has been limited throughout the season. Most likely he'll play along with uh, George Kittle. With Ford, it's a quad injury, and Kittle still dealing with that groin. But he played last week, and... Haven't seen any reasons why he won't play again this week for the 49ers and Kwan Williams. Also, limited participation. He's got a hand injury. And that's it. That's the injury report for Week 7. And now the keys to victory. Let's start with key number 5 to winning in Washington Sunday. Overcome that East Coast trip. 10 a.m. Pacific time start. It's been a nightmare for the 49ers in recent history. Just overall, teams are not good traveling across the country, especially East Coast to West Coast. They've done it twice, and they have one in the East time zone. But first was opening week, as fresh as you're going to be all season. And week two, they had the holdover in Youngstown, Ohio, so they didn't have to travel back and forth. So this is the first in-season East Coast trip, and the team is more banged up. You know, they're a little bit more tired at this point in the season, I'm sure, even though they just had a bye a couple of weeks ago. So that helps. Not the worst time to have that East Coast trip, but still, it's always tough. So you've got to overcome that and make sure everyone's up, everyone's ready to go and mentally prepared for this game. It's been a few weeks since they've played in that time zone and they've only made one trip East so far. And again, like I mentioned, that was week one, but it turned out, okay, can they keep the winning streak in the East Coast time zone on the road alive? in week seven keys to victory number four George Kittle number one his groin needs to be good and and play like he did last week and look good everything's headed in that direction but he needs to have a big game I think it's it's on George Kittle right now he's your number one player he is pro football focus's highest graded player in the NFL he's the 49ers best player on offense they've got to lean on him not only as a run blocker but as the 49ers number one receiver that he is He'll most likely see a lot of box safety landing Collins, and he's not good in coverage. That is a clear mismatch for George Kittle and Garoppolo to take advantage of. Only one touchdown on the season so far for George Kittle. He's got to at least double that, maybe triple that this week. He's had a couple of touchdowns taken away earlier in the season. I think the offense is going to run through George Kittle. They've got that mismatch, and if George eats... I think that's where a lot of points can come from in this game and will put a huge advantage in the 49ers' favor when their offense is on the field. Number three, limit the few playmakers Washington has on offense. Adrian Peterson coming off the best game of the year for him so far. Rams and Bucks have had some success on the ground and have put some things on tape how to get space for their running backs. 
in small stretches during those games. There was only one drive for the Rams, but they ran down like nothing. And in week one, it was two tight end sets, and they were keeping those wide nine defensive ends outside, double-teaming both tackles inside. Last week on that first drive, they were blowing DJ Jones out of there. DJ Jones might have been playing hurt. He did get hurt in that game and came out. DJ Jones won't play in this game. He's your stout nose tackle type of player, the only true nose tackle type on the 49ers. But with DJ Jones out of the game last week, that's when the 49ers improved and they they put in Solomon Thomas and they used the athleticism to their advantage on the defensive line. At times you saw Thomas in the nose lined up near the center. Sometimes it was DeForest Buckner inside. Um, some other guys mixed in there and a lot of slanting in the run game to try to take away those running lanes. And the Rams were running with three wide receiver sets. So a different look, but two different ways that teams have had some success against the 49ers and run the ball in them a little bit. But the 49ers in both cases have been able to clean those things up. So that defensive line has to continue to be animals up front, help limit space for Adrian Peterson and the Washington ground game to run, and it looks like it's going to be more of what we saw last week with a lighter, more athletic defensive front slanting, using their athleticism and penetrating abilities, and we should see another high snap count for Solomon Thomas Sunday inside. And talking about Washington playmakers, the other guy is rookie Terry McLaurin out of Ohio State at wide receiver. I think he's leading all wide receivers right now in the NFL. 408 receiving yards. He's got five touchdowns on 23 receptions. He's been their number one receiver. He's got more receiving yards than anybody on the 49ers, including George Kittle. He's having a fantastic breakout rookie year, a really good player. We heard Chris Russell talk about him and praise him on Wednesday's crossover episode. He's definitely a player to watch. He can burn. He's got 4-3 speed, and it looks like he's a little bit further along in his development than people expected when he was drafted in the third round out of Ohio State. So that's, you know, and Paul Richardson, we've seen him a lot with the Seattle Seahawks, he's got 20 catches on the year for 163 yards. So three fewer catches, but uh, 250 fewer yards than Terry McLaurin. So, you know, averaging 8.1 yards per catch compared to McLaurin's 17.7 yards per catch. But Paul Richardson's still an athletic dude, and we've seen him give the 49ers some trouble in limited stretches before when he was with Seattle. And, of course, Vernon Davis. Maybe it was a revenge game for the Shanahans. Maybe it's a revenge game for Vernon Davis playing against the 49ers. Uh, I don't know if he's fully healthy. He has missed some games here. Uh, Let's take a look, actually, real quick. Let's take a peek at that injury report, uh, the final Friday report for Washington, and uh, we'll see if Vernon Davis is going to be able to go this week, and it looks like he is officially out. So we won't see a Vernon Davis revenge game. Maybe he'll get him riled up on the sideline. Uh, Just real quick for Washington, and one of them actually to look for was Case Keenum. We might have seen the rookie Dwayne Haskins forced into duty, even though Washington wants to start Case Keenum, but no, Keenum, who was uh, not practicing earlier in the week with a shoulder and foot injury, He was a full participant on Friday, so Case Keenum will get the start at quarterback for Washington. Of the players who are out for Washington, guard Wes Martin, safety DeShazer Everett, linebacker Josh Harvey Clemens, running back Chris Thompson, and of course Vernon Davis, and Josh Norman, he's dealing with a little bit of a thigh injury. Uh, He's still questionable to play, has not practiced, but he's not listed as out like the other players for Washington who did not practice this week. Key to the game number two, no letdown. 
No trap game. Taking on a 1-5 team, don't look past the Washington Redskins. As my locked-on NFL co-host Matt Williamson put it, let this be a Game of Thrones-style massacre for House Shanahan. Right? Use that, and don't, and hopefully Shanny, and he talked about it in his press conference, he said, yeah, it was a long time ago, whatever, we watched other people from afar deal with that situation. But it's, you can tell, like, he, he has some, he has some feelings there about that. Maybe he wants to go a little harder than he needs to. Maybe he gets his brain wrapped up and, and gets all screwy and emotional about going in there and beating the team that fired him and his dad. Potential to be out of your game, get too emotionally wrapped up in this particular matchup for other reasons other than straight football. Or maybe it goes the other way and he's just, they just go and blow him out and they go and win one for Shanny, right? So no letdown, no trap game, stay focused. Game of Thrones style massacre for House Shanahan. That's what you want it to turn out to be. And I think Shanahan's really going to have his crew ready to go and it will probably be if there if there was an opportunity for a trap game traveling to the East Coast and be in a situation where the 49ers weren't ready to play, I think just that extra bit of motivation will have Kyle Shanahan make sure his crew is ready to play and playing angry Sunday. Number one, the small things. And you could say this every week. You could say a lot of these things every week. But how do you beat an inferior opponent on the road? Just beat them. Play in and play out. Play sound. Penalties. George Kittle should already have three touchdowns on the year instead of one. Penalties. Lake and Tomlinson, I'm looking at you. That signature hold. Get your hands on the inside. Red zone penalties. You can't go from first and goal from the nine to second and goal from the 14. Don't make it harder on yourself than it has to be. No gaffes in coverage. Bad communication that could allow big plays. Just play sound football. We heard Sherm say it earlier. Handle your responsibilities, and the better team will win. Sunday, that team, I believe, is the 49ers. That should improve to 6-0. 10-point favorites on the road. 49ers, Redskins, 10 a.m. kickoff Pacific time. Should be a fun one. That's it for today's show. I'll have it all broken down Monday right here. Locked on 49ers.